sowing and reaping the harvest. Sowing and reaping the harvest. Sister Marjorie, good to see you tonight. I've been thinking about you real strong this week, as you would imagine. All right, let's get into the word of the Lord. Um, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3. Reaping, or should I say sowing and reaping the harvest. I've got a lot of information for you, and I hope. Can I tell you this? One of the great things about the word of God is this. Hear me? One of the great things about the word of God is this. All of us are, we're our own individual. And through our experiences, the different characters, characteristics that's, that's in us, we, we, we're our own person. We have our own experiences. And so we're going to have our own thoughts about certain things. And that's good and that's well. That, that makes us who we are. But if there's ever a question as to what is right and what is wrong, we have one thing and one thing only to get that worked out. And that's the Word of God. The Word of God is the measuring stick for a human being. This is what's one of the greatest thing about God because we're all going to have differences. We're all gonna never, we're, we're all gonna be at a place where we're not seeing eye to eye, Rayon. We're not always seeing eye to eye. And so what makes you right and what makes me wrong? We, the only thing that can settle that is the Word of God. And if we allow ourselves to not allow the Word of God to settle our issues, then we have no hope. If the Word of God can't settle your issue, then you have no hope. Any concerns we have, we can sit back and share our emotions, our thoughts, our intellect, and we can go back and forth. But when it's time to come to a settlement, we have to go into the Word of God and say, what does the Word of God says? And when we see what it says, that should settle everything. And if you don't allow the Word of God to settle everything, you don't have any hope. Now, I'll go as far as to tell you, the Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was. So God and His Word is inseparable. So really what we're saying is God is settling whatever issues we have, because Him and His Word is synonymous. Amen? So... Always remember that. Always remember the Word of God is what will settle everything. It was, it's our measuring stick. It's, it settles every conversation and it measures where we are in life. And any other thing that we use to measure where we are in life or to settle any issues is not relevant. Because God is the only one that's all-knowing. Satan is not all-knowing. Nobody's all-knowing. God is the only one that's all-knowing. Right now, whatever is going on in your mind, God knows it. Right now as we sit here, whatever you're thinking, God knows it. But only you and God knows it. That's why he can settle anything. He's perfect. He knows everything. So we cannot allow anything else to settle. We can, we can have argument for argument's sake. 
But when the time comes, we say, all right, well, let's see what the word of God says. And we look into the word of God and the story. First Corinthians. Chapter three, I'm going to read three through nine, and I'm probably going to give some commentary as I go along. For ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and division, and ye are not carnal and walk not as men, Scripture is telling us, the Word of God is telling us tonight that when there's envying, when there is strife, when there's division, we are walking in a carnal mindset. Now, preacher, what is a carnal mindset? When the Bible calls you carnal, what the Bible is saying is you are being governed, you are being governed by your own feelings and worldly views. When, when, when the Bible says that we're carnal, what the Bible is saying is that we're allowing our life to be governed by our own feelings and worldly views. So whenever you are having some issues again, conversation or whatever is going on and you're saying, I just feel this way or this is just the way I see it, you're carnal. And the Bible says when we're carnal, we can't please God. So when you're carnal, you can't please God. You only can please God by obeying God's word. That's not even what we're talking about tonight, but it's part of the scripture that we're reading. Jump down to verse number four. For while one said, I am, I am of Paul and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? So what they're saying is, I follow Paul. The other one is saying, I follow Paulus. Again, that's your humanistic reasoning. Had nothing to do with scripture. And you're saying, I follow Paul. The other one saying, I follow Apollos. You're saying, we follow them. Our allegiance are to these men. But the Bible says, if you're doing that, you're carnal. So what does that mean to us in this day and age? You know, we like to say, who is my pastor? Now, it's nice to honor who honors due to. The Bible said that honor them who do honor. But when your pastor become more important than Jesus, you're a carnal. When, when the pastor is who you got to put out there, well, my pastor, you're heading down the wrong path. It's supposed to be my Jesus, not my pastor, my Jesus, whom I serve. This is what he says. So we, we, we should not allow the, the influence of man that teach us to be what drives our action and what makes us feel good. It's supposed to be about Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. amen. And so it's important to watch that. I've, I've seen that kind of thing go on where your pastor was very important. It was a movement. Even in this, in, in the city of Trenton, I heard them, you know, my pastor was, it was important who your pastor is. And, and, and to me, I don't think that's that important who your pastor is. If your pastor is doing a good job teaching you, then that's wonderful. But that's not 
who you're bragging on. You're supposed to be bragging on Jesus. Five says, who then is Paul and who is Apollos but ministers by whom ye believe even as the Lord gave to every man. So Paul went ahead and says, listen, man is just man. There's nothing really significant about man. They're just man. He's saying they are just ministers. They are instruments that God uses. Now, I want to point something out to you. That word ministers, it says, who that is Paul, who is apostle, but ministers. That word minister, you know what it means? Servants. It got really quiet. That word minister, who then is, a, who then is Paul, who then is apostle, the word of God says they are ministers. But what does ministers mean? It means they're servants. Over the years, we've gotten that thing twisted where we think the pastor or the minister or the deacon are, are, are supposed to be in a pedestal when in actuality, they're supposed to be lower than you. I asked someone to work on a hierarchy chart for this church, and you know how I wanted the hierarchy chart to be? I wanted the pastor's role, I wanted the hierarchy chart to go low and work high. So the pastor at the bottom, and then build out the hierarchy structure to go higher. Why? Because the pastor is supposed to be the greatest servant in the church. And if, if, if I'm supposed to be a pastor, I'm supposed to be serving more than everybody else. So I will never complain about serving. Because that's what God called me to do, serve. I understand what minister means. It means servant. And so Paul is writing here letting them know the people that ministers, they're not that significant. It's who they minister about that is significant. And he went on in verse 6 to say, I, Paul, have planted, Apollos has watered, but God gave the increase. Now, check this out. When it says plant and water, you plant the seed by the first time the word of God hits somebody. See, the, 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 the heart of man is the ground. And so when you're talking about planting seed from a spiritual standpoint, it means the first time somebody heard the word of God, the seed was planted. Every other time after that, the seed is being watered. Making sense? So if someone never heard about the word of God, and today they're hearing it, by being here, it meant we just planted the seed. And if they come back again Sunday, it meant the seed is now being watered. But watch it. It says that man will plant and man will water. But God is the one that gives the increase. So the bottom line is growth never takes place without God. Or should I say it this way? Growth cannot happen without God. So for any one of us to grow, we need God. For any one of us to become who God called us to become before we was even formed in the womb, we need God. But here's the other trick. The seed also must be willing to allow God to do what he needs to do so we can grow. So some plant, some water, but God give the increase. So neither then is he that planted anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. So it's saying, 
We're all on the same level playing field. All of us are the same. God don't look at you more special than he does me, and he doesn't look at me more special than he does you. We're all on the same playing field. The word of God is saying we plant and we water. We're all people of God planting and watering the seed, but God is the one that's special in all of this. Somebody say thank you, Jesus. God is the one that's special in all of this. And so that's why it's important to realize this needs to be about Jesus Christ. It can't be about man. It has to be about Jesus. And when it's about Jesus, then we will see increase in our life. Verse 7. We just read that. So then neither is he, neither is he that planted anything, neither is he that watered, but God that giveth the increase. So verse 8 says this, because this is where we're going to start. Verse 8. Now he that planted and he that watereth are one. See that? If I sowed the seed, if I planted the seed, or I watered the seed, we're on the same playing field. If you watered the seed, but I planted the seed, you and I are the same. Nobody's any, nobody's any different. We're all doing the same kind of work. God is the one that's doing the hard work. He is doing the heavy lifting. Cause he gotta let, he gotta help us to grow when we don't want to grow. So God is doing the heavy lifting. We're just planting the seed and watering the seed. But here is what the, 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 the part of the scripture that's very important. It says here at the end of verse eight, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. So you're telling me if we labor by planting or by watering, you're telling me we're going to get a reward. Did you know that? The Bible says God owes no man nothing. You know what that means? He's not going to ask you to do something and not reward you. So if he says, I need you to plant some seed, sow some seed, or I need you to water some seed, it just means that he's asking you to partner with him and you'll see it, it said that we're laborers together with him. And so if we are laborers together with Christ, he's not going to have you to labor and not give you wages. But what did he say he was going to give you wages for? Planting and watering. Oh, he didn't say I'm giving you wages because you prayed. He didn't say, I'm giving you wages because you came to church. He said that we are laborers together with God in the vineyard, which means we are planting the seeds and we're watering the seeds. And guess what? He will give us a wage for doing that. The wage wage didn't talk about prayer or talk about coming to church or talk about playing music. Or talk about ushering. It talked about sowing and watering the seed. So now, you need to think, think about that a little bit. There's a wage involved with this thing. Verse 9 says, look at that. Isn't it beautiful, verse 9? For we are laborers together with God. We're only laborers together with God when we plant and water. When we plant and water. And also when we harvest. That's coming up. I didn't get to that part yet. But I'm showing you where we become laborers together. Where we're in partnership with God. 
What is this all about? We'll get into what it's all about. We're getting there. But I want you to understand that only way we enter into partnership with Jesus Christ is when we sow the seed, when we water the seed, and when we reap the harvest. We labor with God. I'll show you some things as we go along and I hopefully can bring it really Pull it all together for you so you have a clear understanding of what I'm saying tonight. Matthew 9, verse 37 and 38. The Bible says in Matthew 9, 37, Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. His harvest. So what God is telling us is that there's much work to do, but the laborers are not enough. But what does God consider work? That's always what we're coming back to. What does he consider work? Not prayer, not coming to church, not ushering, not playing music. That's not what he consider labor. He considers labor Sowing and watering the seed and also reaping the harvest. That's all he's considering labor. Mm. What is a harvest? The harvest is the ripening of the fruit or the seed. So the harvest is the ripening of the fruit. So when you plant seed and it grows into a tree and the fruit come on the tree and it begins to ripen, there comes a time where now it's ready to be harvest. But what do you consider reaping? Reaping consists of either pulling up the grain of fruit from the ground, from the roots, or cutting it down with the sickle. And binding it together. So watch this. When you labor with the Lord, you plant seeds, you water the seeds, and when the seeds turn into tree and begin to produce fruit, and there come harvest time, they need to be harvested. They need to be picked. That's the harvest and picking them. And then reaping them, then you need to gather them together. So the harvesting and the reaping, they work together. You get the fruit off or the wheat and you bind them up together and bring them together. So here is where the church comes in. So let me stop and just make sure you're connected. All of what I've been talking about tonight is talking about people. I'm not talking about actual bananas and oranges and pear. I'm not talking about those things. I'm talking about people. And so what God is talking about is sowing the seed, which is his word. So what he's saying is you labor with me, you work with me, and you will get a wage, by the way, when you labor with me. If you will give people the word of God and you will bring people, you will harvest people into the kingdom of God. That's what he's saying. So the bottom line is. God's got one thing on his mind. I created those people so one day I can spend eternity with all of them. But in order for me to spend eternity with all my people, 
they have to know my guidelines, my rules, what will make them be able to spend eternity with me. You know what I like to say? That you have your own house rules. Somebody asked this today. I was at the barbershop today, right? And not that I had anything to cut off, but I can't help it. I just go anyway. I like the fellowship at the barbershop. So my barber, man, I can't wait for God to save his soul. He has all the questions and he's got a lot of different positions. Some of it is right. Some of it is just probably he's just upset. But he said to me, you know, I got a problem with, you know, I heard people got to sometimes look a certain way, dress a certain way and blah, 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 blah. And I don't want no man telling me what to do. So I'm sitting in the chair and thinking, oh, what little. And I said, I said, Jazz, you don't allow your kids to just live in your house and do whatever they want, do you? He said, nah. I said, isn't there standards in your house for your children? Yes. I said, well, in the church, because it belongs to God. He's got standard in his church. And he needs people to, 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 to be a certain way in his church. They can't just be whoever they want and do whatever they do just because they follow the process of being born again. They repented of their sins. They got baptized in Jesus' name. He filled them with the Spirit. And now they feel like they can come in any hours they want. They can come in any how they want. They can look anyway. God is not having that. You're not having that. that. That's been the funniest thing to me. Like, we gotta have rules. You're not gonna allow Austin to do whatever he wants in your house that you worked hard for and built and everything, and now Austin can do whatever he wants. No, you got certain guidelines. I want my house to be governed a certain way. I've got certain principles in my life, so I need my home to be a certain way. That's what you do. Now, you don't even compare to who God is. You are nowhere on God's level. So if you've got some standard of how you govern your home, your nice home, what do you think God is going to do? Remember this. The church is the kingdom of God on earth trying to get you to understand something meaning we all are looking forward to that day to go to heaven where we say is beyond the blue skies right that's what we read and heaven is beyond the blue skies and we're all looking forward to go there how do you know you're ready to go to heaven can anybody answer that how do you know you're ready to go to heaven you're working at this thing and you're preparing yourself to one day go beyond the blue skies to be with Jesus how do you know you're prepared to go there when you get saved that's where you start working on preparing to go there so if heaven is this place where there's no crying no dying no pain it's going to be joyous and everything is going to be great the Bible says we're going to be like him when we see him. If that's all true, why do we not understand that we're going to have to start the process right now? So we have to have certain standards in how we conduct ourselves. So he's like, oh, the guy didn't explain it like that. <laughs> well, 
it's important to understand what this is all about. This is about people. God is about people. Yes, all the seeds grow at its own rate. So we can't look at people and say, why aren't you this? Let me touch that just for a second. Please don't go to anybody and say, why you don't look like this or why you're not doing this? Leave people alone. Everybody grow at a different rate. Every seed grow at a different pace. It does. So for me to say, man, you've been coming to church for five years. Why you not? Every seed grow at a different pace. It's just that simple. So here's how we roll. Human beings are the ground that the seed need to be planted. The seed is the word of God. So wherever we go, we sow the seed and somebody else will water the seed and the seed and the dirt get together. And all of a sudden, it gets water and get water. And then all of a sudden, the seed and the dirt it intermingle. And before you know it, stuff starts coming from the seed. And life starts coming. And then it starts coming out through the dirt, which is the heart of people. That's what God is trying to get done in this earth, is get his word inside of people's life. And when his word get into people's life, then people start to grow and to be and become godly. And one day become that tree that can be harvested and be ready for when Christ returns. That's what this is all about. So we're here tonight to, to, to understand where we're going, to get knowledge of where we need to go, what we need to do. Thursday night Bible study is to educate you. Come back Sunday and we'll have a better time than this. Even though some people think Thursday night you have a really good time. Because you really, you, know, you sit down, you relax. You know, Sunday we stand up, we sing, we sit back down. And, you know, Sunday you get, you know, up and down. But on Thursday you just chill and sit back. You write your notes, you know. You can just, you know, yeah. So, but that's what we're trying to accomplish. Because God said so. The harvest is plenteous, the labors are few. Because many of us have not decided to become a labor with God. Remember what I told you. There's only one way to labor with God, not two and three ways. Laboring consists of planting the seed, watering the seed, and reaping the harvest of Christ. That's the only thing God counts as labor. Don't forget that. So if you're not doing any of those, you're not laboring with Christ. All right. We good there. Listen to this. There are harvests that is ready to be reaped right now and other harvests that will come by us plowing the ground and sowing the seed. There's a scripture that says, look out to the field. The harvests are ripe already. And what that means is there are people that's ready to be saved. There are people that right now, they're so hungry to know who Jesus is. They're so hungry to come to church. They're so hungry to get a close relationship with God. But because we're not paying attention, we don't even realize it. So what I want for you to do, because Jesus said the harvest is already ripe. What I want for you to do every day is pray, God, show me your harvest that's ripe and ready to be reaped. God, show me your harvest that's ripe and ready to be reaped. 
God, show me. Because remember, we're trying to labor with him, not get our own way. Remember, we use prayer to get what we want, not what God said prayer is supposed to be. Tell the truth. When we pray, we're praying to get what we want, not what God wants. Yes. So we need to pray. God, today as I go from my house, show me the harvest that's ripe and ready to be reaped so I can reap them. God, show me the ground that's hardened, that's follow, that needs to be broken up and seeds need to be sown and need to be watered so one day they could become the harvest. Sowing the seed. How do we sow the seed? Mark chapter 30 verse, Mark chapter 4 verse 30 says, And he said, Whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of God? Or with what comparison shall we compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when it's sown in the earth, is less than all the seeds that be in the earth. But when it is sown, it groweth up and becometh greater than herbs and shooteth out great branches so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. Here is the thing. Here is the thing. Many of us don't sow seeds because we're always worried about failure. I feel like we need to deal with this. A lot of times we don't do things because we're worried about our failure. And the only time you're really failing is by not carrying out your responsibility. Mm -hmm. Let me take my time. So your responsibility in this, this, this working with Christ is to sow the seed, water the seed, and reap the harvest. Your responsibility is not to make the seed grow. So sometimes we're worrying about the seed growing and that causes us not to even sow the seed. We just go past, they don't want God. You see how they behave? There's no way God can't save them. Oh, they're hypocrites. I'll never tell them about God. And that's what we say. So we end up not sowing the seed. Well, what you just did was God's job. Your job, all he asked you to do, sow the seed, water the seed, and he will do all the rest to let the seed grow. And later on, he'll let you reap the harvest. But you're worried about the harvest, and that's not your job. So we walk by people, and we never sow the seed because we're just like, oh, no. We just think they're the worst. Well, I've got newsflash for you. You wasn't that good either. We want to think because we may not have been killing anybody or we may not have been stealing anything. We want to think that, oh, we were just good people. Let me tell you, what you think is good and what God think is good is not the same. I remember when the rich young ruler met Christ and he says, I know there is. He, he says, I've been good and I kept the commandments from my youth up. And Jesus said to him, there's only one good and it's God. Let me stop right there. So what you always call good to God, that's not good. 
Because only one can be good, and that's God. The only way you become good is by doing godly things. So if you're just a good person, but you are not godly, you're not good. That's just your figure of speech that you are good. But nobody is good except those that carry out the instructions of God. Those are people who are good. When you obey the word of God, that's what makes you good. But if you're just a nice person, we like to call those people good. You're not good. Because only one that is good, and it's God. Yeah. Just trying to teach you the word of God. And so... We cannot be afraid of who will, when we plant that seed, who will reject the seed and who will accept the seed. We cannot base sowing the seed off of who will reject the seed or who will accept the seed. And many times we do not plant the seed because of people's aura of personality or what they've done wrong and how they seem. We said, "Mm, no, sir. They might not even smell good and we don't plant the seed. Oh, I can't take the smell. And God didn't call you to worry about how the seed will grow. He just wants you to plant the seed. Please remember to always focus on your responsibilities and do them. Don't worry about what God is supposed to do. I believe that's a big Achilles heel for all of us is that many times we allow our mind to venture over into the area of God instead of staying in our own lane. No, we like to use that term, stay in your lane. Yeah, stay in your lane and don't get into the lane of God. Because if we don't stay in our lane, it will refrain, it will stop us from doing what we are required to do. God can handle his stuff all by himself. He's good. Can I tell you this? If we don't sow the seed, there will be no harvest. If we don't sow the seed, there will be no harvest. So the question is, how did you get saved? How did you come to church? How did you find yourself giving your life to God? How did that happen? Did you just wake up one morning and you felt like, let me go to church? And you knew exactly the right church to go and everything just happened and nobody told you anything. Did did that happen to anybody? Nobody said anything to you. You just somehow found yourself in church. And then when you got there, nobody had to baptize you. You baptized yourself. (laughs) So because we know that's not true then we have to say, God, if you made a way for me by having someone sow the seed in my life or water the seed in my life and, 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 and worked with me and, and, and was able to harvest me, then I need to do that too for somebody else. It's just that simple. Just think about it. You have relatives in your, in, in, in your family that may never get saved if you don't sow the seed. You can't give up on your relative because you might be their only hope of sowing the seed for them to understand. All right. Matthew 13, you you all know um, the scripture there. It talked about the sower, right? Um, Verse 4, let me jump down to verse, well, let's do 3. Matthew 13, verse 3 says, And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. What did the sower go forth to do? 
that's the job. If you are sower, you sow. We're sowers. Verse 4 says, and when he sowed, so he did his job. Seeds fell all, all over the place. Wayside, stony places, among thorns. So he sowed. He did his job. But check this out. Seeds fell everywhere, but some seed fell on good ground and brought forth fruit. Some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, and some thirtyfold. Can I tell you this? There is no way to tell which seed will produce fruit. Oh, my Lord. I love that about just the kingdom of God. Can I tell you all, you may have heard me say this before, but I'm going to say it to you tonight again. Every person that comes through that door and comes through that back door, I look at them as they are going to be super duper for Christ. There's not one person that comes through and I said, I don't know about them. I cannot allow myself to do that. Because I've watched over the years how we never can tell which seed when it's planted is going to grow and produce. And then we don't know which one is going to produce a hundredfold and sixtyfold and thirtyfold. And so I try to just be just as even keel. Sometimes I think I need to get, go, go crazy more than I go crazy, but I just try to be even keel because I don't know it. I don't, I don't know everything that's going on. I don't know what will happen. And so I just try to stay down the middle because you know what I'm afraid of? Let you into, um, my little mind here. You know what I'm afraid of? That I make you get your hopes up about, you know, this person, I know they're going to be great and fantastic. And then they're not great and fantastic. And then you get discouraged. Because you thought, man, I just thought it was going to be great and fantastic. So what I do is, I just say to myself, everybody that come in the door, they're going to be great for Christ. And my job is to make sure I work with every one of you the best way I can to help you be great for Christ. Tell your neighbor, you're going to be great for Christ. That's what you were created for. You think you were created just to be okay? No, you were created to be great for Christ. And so... We don't know with seed. So, so I think that's one of the, the, the I got, I've got a friend, he, he, you know, he's a global evangelist and, you know, he see blind eyes open, deaf ears don't stop, people get out of wheelchair. He see these miracles all the time by traveling the world, right? And so, you know, he always said, listen, I know I'm not the one doing it. I know it's the power of God doing it, but I'm just so glad to be on the front row watching. And I feel the same way in, 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 in pastoring this church. I'm just glad to be on the front, front row watching what God is doing in all of your lives. That just gets me excited. That gets me just, I, I just feel so good about watching and just helping and watching God working in your life. That's one of the best things that anybody can just see is watching people come into the church and watch their life just get transformed by God. And they look back and say, Oh my Lord, how did I ever get here? Let you in again. I remember, I never forgot six months when I, six months of going to church. Six months of going to church. I realized I had stopped cursing. Just had to, because sometimes y'all think, you know, I never got started from ground zero. Sometimes y'all, sometimes your mind don't think, you know, you make your mind think the pastor, he was just, Somehow, boop, and he became the pastor. 
No, no, no. I was just like many of you didn't know Jesus, didn't have a relationship with Jesus, wasn't in church. When I started going to church, I remember six months, man, like, hey, this is like a big thing. Hey, I didn't say one curse word. And I'm like, oh, because that's the way God works in your life. You just keep on going and worshiping and living for God. And you will realize you started doing some things and stopped doing some things. And you don't know how that's happening. You just know I started doing some things and I stopped doing some things and I can't explain it. Then 22 years later, I look around and say, oh, how did I get here? Oh, man, that is so funny. But God is doing the work in us. and We just got to let him. The final scripture I'm going to share with you is in John chapter 4. John chapter 4 is the final scripture I'm going to share with you about the importance of sowing and watering and reaping. The word of God is how we sow. Don't forget that. So when you see people and, and, and you go up to them and says, you know, Jesus has great plans for your life. And he went through a whole lot of trouble to make sure your life becomes something super. He died so you wouldn't have to die. And he wants your life to be super. If you will just trust him, he will do great things in your life. Do you go to church? Well, I'm inviting you to my church. 90% of people that haven't been to church haven't been there because they've never been invited. 90%. Do me a favor. Invite somebody. Just like you would invite them to your house to come for dinner. Invite them to your church. Listen. How about you come to church? I would love, we would love for you to come to our church. We're inviting you to come and be a part of one of our church services. We would like to invite you out. Because 90% of people that do not come to church did not come because they were never invited. Why? We were afraid to sow the seed. Oh, they just will not go to church. And so we say that and never invited them. Because we determined they're not going to go to church. You were just so good. So, you know, the person that sowed the seed in your life, they just knew you were going to go to church, huh? <laughs> you better think again. <laughs> I don't know if they knew you were going to go to church. They just they just did what they were supposed to do and tell you about Jesus. That's all they did. They didn't know you were going to church. And so in John chapter 4, verse 31, it says, In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, had any man brought him ought to eat? Verse 34, Jesus said unto them, my meat, here we go, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and finish we are here to finish the work that Christ started. That's the only labor you will ever do that you will be rewarded for. Oh, man. 
Everything else we do in the church is just what you're doing. But the only work we will receive payment for is to finish the work that Jesus started. And the work that he started was to seek and to save everybody that is lost. <laughs> Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth, here we go again. You see what it says? And he that reapeth receiveth wages. So we know. When you sow, when you water, and when you reap, you receive wages. I don't know what those wages are. So don't get me to get into that. I'm just going by what Jesus said. This is red letters. So Jesus is telling you when you sow, when you reap, when you water, you will receive wages. I'm sure all of us want the wages that God has to pay. My employer can't pay me better than Jesus. And so whatever Jesus is paying me, I want it. I want what he's paying me. I want that wage that he has. It says you, and, and he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true. One soweth and another reapeth. I send you to reap that whereupon you bestowed no labor. Other men labor, and you are entered into their labors. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified, he told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode there two days, and many more believed because of his word, and said unto the woman, Now we believe not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. So, in closing, he said, we will even reap where we didn't even labor hard. We're just doing the reaping. So some of us, or in, let me say it this way, in some instances, we'll just reap. We'll, we'll, we'll bind the, the fruit together. Just that. We won't have to sow and water. We'll just bind the fruit together. And he says, I'm still going to pay you for that. He says, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna reap where you didn't even work hard. But I'm still going to pay you for that. Because I'm a just God. I'm going to make sure I take care of you no matter what. But he wants us to know that we will re receive wages when we sow, when we water, and when we reap. We will receive wages. I got one final scripture for you, because right before I was ready to close up this study, the Lord had to put this on my heart, and I don't even have it pulled up on my system here. John chapter 12. Let me see if I can pull it up quicker than you. You probably get it before me, because you're using the real Bible. You're right, you know, just computer stuff. Ooh, it opened up pretty quick. All right, John, John, I want to read it, so that's why I'm trying to pull it up here. John chapter 12, 
24. Uh, all right, here we go. You ready for me? All right, John chapter 12, verse 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. Now, God gave me this little revelation last week right before we went out and do outreach, and so I'm sharing it with you. But here's the scripture that supports what he put into my brain. And so he says, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. Let me tell you this. This is God's word. Let me interpret it for you. If you live for yourself, you're going to be lonely. If all you want to do is live the way you want, you will be a lonely soul. You can be married and still be lonely if you decide to live for yourself. God give revelations. It's out of, he's out of control, man. God covers every angle. So it says, if the corn of wheat abided alone, if it, if it doesn't fall in the ground and die, it abided alone. If me and you just live for ourselves, we will abide alone. You will only experience what you like, but you will find out that you're lonely. So he says, it must die, meaning you must die. So it abided alone, but if it die, but if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. So what it's saying is, if your life, if you decide I'm giving up my life, to please Christ, you will not be lonely. Because your life being sacrificed will produce a whole lot of you. Oh, you all missed it. If you sacrifice your life, you will produce a whole lot of you. And you'll have a whole lot of you to kick it with. The other thing about it that I touched on last week, if you sacrifice your life, you will produce a whole lot of you and you will never be hungry. Let me tell you why. Because everybody has different fruit that they produce on their tree. And if I allow my life to die and it produce you, 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 and we just going around. You know what it means? On the days that I'm not doing well, you're going to call. Hey, how you doing? And you're going to say something to me that made me feel good. The day that I need some encouragement at my job, you're going to call and say something good. The day that I just need some wisdom because I need to talk about something, you're going to call. And, and you will always have somebody talking to you and telling you something and encouraging you because the scripture cannot lie. So here is what it's saying. You being the seed, when you die, you produce a whole lot of use. And when you produce a whole, whole lot of use, there will always be wisdom that's coming to you. Let me tell you, this should be for all of you, but it is for me. should be for all of us. Y'all let us know. But here's what it should be for all of you. As you begin to grow, your children will become your counselors. As it is in the natural, so it is in the spiritual. And I'm, I'm probably the loudest voice in my mother's life, but while I was a little kid, guess what? She told me what to do. 
She instructed me with wisdom. She directed me. But because she produced me, uh-huh, yes, same way. So she wasn't by herself. She produced me. Guess what? As time go on, guess what? She was able to pick from the tree she produced. Listen, Brother Henry, I can't, I don't remember how many years because I don't keep track of these things. But I can't tell you how long ago I used to go to his house on a Wednesday evening or Monday and teach Bible study. He didn't know nothing about Jesus. I went to his house and taught Bible study, taught Bible study, and now he is living for God. I mean, a man of God. And guess what? He's teaching our adult Sunday school class. I'm receiving fruit. So now Sundays when I have time, I sit in his class and I listen to him teach. And he's saying something that I'm learning from. And I don't know how far to go with this, but I'm trying to tell you how this thing works. And so what happens a lot of times is we just want to live for ourselves. And guess what? We wake up in the morning lonely. We go to bed at night lonely because we're living for ourselves. But the day we obey God's word and say, you know what, God? I'm going to obey your word. And I'm going to die to my desires and do what you want me to do, which is sow the seed, water the seed, and harvest. And if I do that, you will give me Wages, and I will be able to receive for myself too because your word cannot lie. Oh my God. What an amazing God we serve. The angles are covered. Woo. I'm done. It says in 25. Now you, now you understand what this means in 25 when you used to read it. He that loveth his life shall lose it. So you keep on living because you just want, you know, I just like, you know, and you want to do what you want. You don't care about nothing else. You just want to make yourself feel good. It says if you live that way, you will lose your life. And he that hated his life in this world shall keep it unto eternal life. If any man serve me, let him follow me, and where I am, there shall also my servant be. The people that will sow and water and reap, they're called ministers, but better word, they're called servants. And if you are a servant of God, wherever God is, that's where you're going to be. I'm done. You understand now what God is asking us to do? You can get wages from God if you will tell people about God. That, that's what it comes down to. Just tell people what the Word says. When you read your Bible and the Bible says God is love, then when you see people, it says God is love. Tell them about the Word of God. Don't worry about how they're going to respond. Just tell them and say, God, I did my part. It's up to you now to let them grow. But I did my part. When you wake up in the morning, God, the harvest that's ready to be reaped, let me see it, show it to me, let me understand it so I can reap it for you. Because there's wages. You can tell them that. God, I read that you give wages for reaping your harvest. God, I, I, I read that you give wages for sowing the seed. I need some wages. So point me in a direction that I may go and sow seeds and reap harvest. Anybody have any questions tonight? I am finished. I'll let you percolate on that. Listen. God wants to do some amazing things in your life.
but it's not going to be comfortable for you. It's not going to be easy for you. But listen, it's not going to be comfortable or easy for you if you don't let God work in your life. When they say Irma is coming and then Jose is coming, you guys read all this stuff. So we just had Harvey come and go. Irma is brewing. She already hit um, um, Antigua and all those places. And now she's coming across to hit South Florida. I'm going to call my mom one more time, check on her. And then they said, Jose is brewing. And who's coming after Jose? So I'm just telling you, even if you decide that you just want to chill and just be by yourself, you won't be able to chill and be by yourself. Your life going to be stirred up some kind of way. So you might as well let your life be stirred up by Christ. Might as well. And just do what we got to do. But God wants to give you wages. He wants you to be where he is by being his servant. God wants to do great things in your life. You just have to do what he asks you to do. Sow the seed. Sow the seed. You will be able to sow seed. And there's going to be people that will give their life to God. And before you know it, you'll be able to pick from their tree. You'll be able to not be lonely. I got a good friend of mine. I got a few good friends. I'm not going to tell you that I don't. But I, but my, my good friend Warren, he like to eat. And any if I'm ever hungry and, and my wife's not around or she don't want to go out to dinner with me, I call Warren up. He's going to dinner with me. <laughs> That's another person that you, you, you sowed a seed in their life and they became what they became. And now you have a friend you can go out to eat dinner with. Oh, man, I'm telling you, this thing works. It really works. Hallelujah. Brother D, we going out to dinner one of these days. I'll figure that out. But I'm just telling you how it works. Do what God say, and you will see how it works. It's challenging, but just sitting around doing nothing is still a challenge in this day and age that we're living in. Nothing is going to be easy. So just do what God wants you to do and make it count. Because if you do what you want, it won't count. But if you do what God wants, it will count. Let's stand. Let's pray together. Hallelujah.